0: Definitely a lot of hard work but I think being able to find the, find the right balance in that work.
1: This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Sham and in this episode, we continue the conversation with successful property developer and managing director of Avonor James Paver. We continue our discussion on his property development journey of building the $413 million commercial space, how to balance your finances, how to structure deals so they are in your favour, and much, much more. We delve into his property development journey and we find out whether he's faced any challenges along the way.
0: To be honest, it's it pains me to say, it, but it's yet to come. <laughs> I think so, except, um, that's not me saying I don't, I don't make it. I, I think because I'm still quite young, I, I'm fully aware that there is going to be stuff that happens. I think where I think I'm, um, we we do take a lot of care and put a lot of effort into minimising risk generally, and so we don't just go for any deal and um, deal flow deal volume. I suppose isn't our strategy deal you know accuracy is is more our strategy so um being able to take our time select the right deal select the right um, approach and then uh not overcommit ourselves to a level that means that um you know we're exposed to something that you know we can't withstand so i suppose in doing that we minimize our risk one of our projects at the moment, an example of that I suppose, one of our projects at the moment is, a, is a, a residential tower development in in North Sydney, Walker Street. And so that deal has been a slow burn. We started amalgamating individual units in 2016-17 and then we've, we've amassed a two and a half thousand square meter site and done a deal with the next adjoining owners to create a four thousand square meter site and we've now got state approval for a a 30-story tower so so it's it's a big you know it's a big um you know it's a success in that um we've now got approval but there were definitely moments through that journey where you feel like you've just burnt a lot of money on a site that's not going to come together, and so there were definitely moments through that where the risk risk was high. Um, but I suppose persistence and um, and the way that we set up those deals in the first instance meant that we minimised the risk of it not not coming
1: off. Paver talks us through some of the challenges that he faced to get these units to come together.
0: There's no residential tower sites in the North Sydney CBD. It's they are very very strict on maintaining the commercial core and so this is the only uh r4 high density residential site in the city in the city north Sydney cbd and it's sort of it's on the ring of freeway and oh so it's not it's just it's next to the ring of freeway and so it'll have you know permanent uninterrupted views of sydney harbour and the opera house and the heads um, and so it's a It'll be a very highly sought-after, you know, um, uh, product once once it comes online. And so I think part of that meant that the own the initial landowners, uh, the you know people who own the units, they uh, weren't going to move unless it's um, it was outright buying essentially. And so to do that, we you know amounted a war chest and um, had to. Had to go in and, and start, you know, working through each each unit.
1: We find out about his financial situation at the time and how much he was able to accumulate.
0: We bought twenty four, bought twenty four units, um, and and uh, and then came to an arrangement with the adjoining. You know, there's three more lots to our to our north, and so I think for a planning outcome, it's a good outcome to have. So these are the only undevelopable, sorry, undeveloped. Sites or developable lots in that area, and so originally we were just going to go with ours, and those would have been a separate development that needs to be pursued. But as we came to an arrangement with the states, essentially saying, we'll, we'll, we'll put the planning across theirs as well, so that we all participate in uplift, and and those, and we can redevelop the whole precinct, so that it's there's no chance of isolation or anything."
1: details what his initial vision was for their area.
0: It's a very obvious one. Around Next door is a 22 storey resi tower. Over the road is another 23 storey resi tower. And around the corner, council's rezoning its own car park to be a 60 storey tower. And around, and the metro station is 200 metres away. That's going in at whatever that is, 50 storeys. And then the next one down, uh, Winton's delivering the um, Denison Street, which is uh um, you know 40 something stories um dexas just finished there 100 Mount street which is similar so there's and and the north sydney cbd the council has um lifted the height across the whole cbd so there was this huge uplift these are these little red red roofed um apartment uh, apartments that were built 80 years ago and they're kind of falling down and the like and so and it's in the cbd so we um it Actually, we started off on it when I was still wrapping up the Vodafone tower, hunting around for what's next and we started and so as that was coming off, I started turning our attention to that.
1: Getting into development means that you'll need to invest your own capital into it but the way the deal is structured can help you immensely.
0: So I suppose that's one example and then one one other one that I suppose it's not just a, it wasn't necessarily about it, uh Another one that's been a slow burn but has been successful of late is um, is our approach. So we um, in two thousand fourteen we started having having a go at um, so Google was in the market as a tenant and and we um, approached the state government and said, oh, we want to put a tech precinct together um, with for Google and um, and we're going to do it at Glebe Island and so. Um, we had a consortium of John Holland and MTR who run the Northwest Metro um, Rail and um, we had uh, um, and then Leighton we were still out at the time and, and Google and, and we started doing that together but Leighton Group went through a restructure, Leighton Properties closed and so um, Google started off again with then lease and the state took that asset to market. So that was the first crack at a tech precinct and then around the same time Atlassian um, were um, looking to um, where where they could uh, potentially anchor tech precincts, and, and we were looking at Australian Technology Park with with, with them. And then at the same time uh, or similar time, the state government was out with uh, with uh, White Bay for um, the next round of tech pre- tech and innovation precincts at White Bay. So that didn't go ahead, and so. We've been involved in that world for a while, and, and it, I suppose in terms of um, you know things not coming off, that for a number of years was just not happening for us. We were having a few cracks, a few false starts with different capital partners, with different tenants, and um, and so we bid pretty hard for for White Bay with some capital out of Singapore, and then Multiplex came in as our delivery partner um, initially, and then then uh, that that process wrapped up. For the open, you know, for, for the market, and then, um, but we worked really hard with Atlassian and then eventually, and you uh, might have seen in the in the press over the last couple of years that now we've anchored, we've secured a site at Central Station, and we've um, we're anchoring a a, uh, a new tech and innovation precinct at at Central Station in Sydney, and so um, and so to. Uh, like similar to the Walker Street thing, is this, this you know roller coaster of you putting in a lot of energy and over a longer period of time, and then um, but then you work your way out of those risk positions into a position where then they start you know the um, some of the you start kicking some goals.
1: Having to invest your own capital into deals might make it tough when it comes to other expenses. So we find out how Paver is able to balance everything.
0: I suppose part of it, when we kicked off at first, we didn't have um, much of our own balance sheet. It was doing um, these sorts of structured things where we essentially bring the institutional uh, knowledge of a tier one development firm being latent Properties, and then we white label that tank. Because we, we had a number of people from the Leighton team that. Pete and I brought into our team and then we started building out the team around us and so we would white label that into non-development firms. So um, landowners who don't want to give up their asset or want to retain an asset on completion but don't have the development expertise, we will white label in and deploy our our skills for them and then participate in the profit or participate in whatever it is. So there's there's that sort of thing. and then other ones is, um, I suppose, you know, cash flow is, is uh, which is what you've identified, I suppose, is, is critical to it all. So we um, landed a couple of, we landed a uh, um, $1.1 billion um, hospital project in Brisbane, which is Hurston Quarter, run by Australian Unity. And so they they um, uh, were one of our first major projects which we started working on with them. And so I think there was a lot of that service-based Revenue that um, in our, in in establishing some of these, and then in that we would structure some um, success fees, and so it would essentially be uh, in exchange for deploying our I suppose IP um, on behalf of these firms. We would we would structure in uh, which we could do in a particular market called Central Station. We could deploy that across a number of sites down at Central Station with a number of parties, and we would say, "Okay, well, if we partner with this group, then we'll participate." And so, and then we're committed to that site and that. So I suppose that's that's how we we um, kicked it off, and then that gave us a bit more firepower to be able to um, take a bit more risk. I suppose
1: it has been an interesting journey for him, and we hear about the moment where everything just clicked for him.
0: It's a Tough one, I suppose. I feel like I'm about I'm I'm coming into a bit of a moment around that at the moment. Um, the next twelve months is going to be quite formative. Some of our revenues will, will be dropping over the next next twelve months, um, but will, will be I suppose coming in over the next twelve months, which will has turned my mind to the next strategic phase of our growth. And so, uh, I'm starting to build some more. Um, governance structures some more uh, bring some more skill sets in so that I can posture ourselves for um, raising capital deploying capital deploying our own balance sheet um, on a bigger scale and so I think um, the aha moment is I suppose the last four years has been a lot of grind and a lot of um, like I was saying sweat equity and then Now, as I see the opportunity that comes from some of this, some of this, you know, having some balance sheet deploy, it kind of makes me think, oh, that is that is absolutely (laughs) a ticket towards opening up a whole lot of opportunity that before I felt like wheels are spinning a lot. Now I can start saying, uh, so the the way that I'm thinking at the moment is is a bit different, I suppose. Um, And I suppose that's that's an example.
1: Coming up after the break, we'll delve into what James Paver would have changed early in his career.
0: I think working a bit smarter rather than harder um, could have could have helped.
1: What he is looking forward to in the future?
0: That um, Atlassian Tower at Central is like a 70,000 square metre office tower, which you know is part of that tech precinct. It's been on, on a very long journey, and so in five years that'll be complete.
1: And that's next. I'm Tyrone Shump, and you're listening to Property Investory. about one of the strong motivating factors was early on in his property journey.
0: When I was choosing to go and do property economics, I was just at a bit of a loss to be honest about what the options were at hand. I think part of it, I didn't want to do something that was just a placeholder um, standard thing. In fact, that's probably a common theme across what a lot of what I do. I don't, I don't buy into just standard run-of-the-mill, you know, um, Living, I suppose, or and I'd heard, I'd heard a bit. I, I think I'd just um, heard from um, uh, other people that property is good fun. Um, I didn't particularly know what it was or how it works, and that I knew that you could make money out of it, and I knew that. Um, and then I suppose part of part of the decision making around the the decision to go from banking to development that's probably part of what I can probably talk to is that. Um, when I was, when I was at uni, uh, or when I was, when you, in investment banking, you've got a huge amount of people that have ended up there because they've done commerce law degrees and they're hyper competitive and, you know, they're at, at, um, at school, they're, so they're highly intelligent people and, um, and they're working really long hours and, you know, they make a particular amount of money and they're, they're in a structured, um, career progression that um you are at the at the mercy of the you know control of a lot of other you know stakeholders and senior stakeholders that can probably influence your your success or not property i kind of formed this view right or right rather wrong at the time that um you're not in a space where I uh, was particularly in i suppose the the early days of it or in, uh, you're not in a space where there is hyper competitive commerce law guys who have got 99 or you know in their high 90s uais and and are uh, sitting at their desks and and so the op- if and so i felt well um but you can still make just as much if not more money and you can um, i suppose work less if you work smartly
1: So book smart versus street smart, you know, if you're street smart, you don't necessarily have to have all these qualifications and degrees and everything to get into property development because it's about relationships, it's about hustle, it's about persistence, you know, grinding, the hard work, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, so I saw some of those clients that invested, right? And like a bunch of them had never gone to uni, some of them like that guy was mentioning you left school early Um, and um, some of them uh, were and so then when you and so it's not about it's not about i suppose that it's not a competitive industry it's a really competitive industry obviously like every man and his dog know about property and are and an expert in property because they own a property and it's and so it's not that you get away from that but i think it's that um i was doing a lot of long hours in investec and um i was made redundant there <clears throat> and then at Leighton Properties, it was the same. It was um, working really long hours, and um, in an institution, and and um, and then they, because of you know structural decisions that were made at a higher level, they they decided to restructure, and then I uh, managed to you know strike a, an arrangement that that worked well, um, that was part of a redundancy, and so then that was twice, and I was like, well. <laughs> Going to take it in my own hands and um, do what I suppose I was always wanting to do, and um, and and start, you know, putting putting things together. Um, and that's I suppose where where the thinking came from.
1: We talk about the idea of mentorship and his experience with people throughout his journey that can provide assistance.
0: I was lucky enough. Um, so, at Investec Bank, David Gonski was the chairman, um, and. And so when I was setting up Avenor, I, I and I'd, I'd reached out to him a couple of times before, and and then then I just went and caught up with him. And um, I suppose being able to just have a chat have have a chat with someone like that gives you a really good insight into your I suppose potential in business. Uh, and so, but I wouldn't I wouldn't um, uh, say that he's sort of a mentor because I didn't. It's not like an ongoing thing, but. At the moment, that's something that I've identified is, is something I want to build on. So I've started the process a couple of months ago of putting an advisory board together for Adminor. So speaking with some, um, I suppose, executives and managing directors that I've come across over the years, I've started to do just to start piecing together who the right people are to, to um, put some strategic um, you know, input into the... Into the firm, and then some, I suppose, governance um, oversight into the firm, and so um, speaking with a few people about that, um, and so yeah, hopefully, hopefully that comes comes along.
1: Paver shares some of his best book recommendations, along with any other resources that might be helpful.
0: I've just started. I've kicked off some um, business coaching at the moment as part of this. Like I was saying, next twelve months strategic growth is. We've got, a, you know, business coaching and advisory board and some new hires as part of that. But one of the ones that I've just started listening to is *The Road Less Stupid*. Yeah, I've I've I literally over the last couple of weeks I've been um, ripping into it, and it's um, essentially exploring this concept of how um, intelligent investors, and this is actually. A, Reads true for those clients from Investec, where there a bunch of those people had been bankrupt once at least, but sometimes a couple of times. And so, the role stupid is about this this concept where of, of avoiding dumb tax, which is where as a result of poor decision making, um, you make a loss. And so, um, what is it that you can do to minimise, you know, still you know maintain you know, your, your revenue growth but minimise the risk of loss by um, avoiding stupid decisions. <laughs> and so I know the, the chapter I was, I was on last night is talking about thinking time and so they're talking about having a particular um, uh, period in each day, a period of time in each day, short period where you just sit and think about the big issues and actually accurately identify problems that need resolving and then come up with a strategy to solve them. I haven't started yet because I only did that yesterday, but it was interesting.
1: We find out the advice that he would give to a younger version of himself.
0: Yeah, I suppose I'd say say do what you're doing. I'm kind of <laughs> kind of really enjoying enjoying what what I'm um, what I'm working on. I suppose, um, and it's it's definitely a lot of hard work. But I think being able to find the find the right balance in that work. I think in the early days, actually, if I could talk about the early days a bit, I think working. A bit smarter rather than harder um, could have could have helped. A lot of long hours, late nights, slogging away, trying to work through it. Um, and in hindsight, there wasn't many other people doing that. <laughs> so maybe I could have shared the load a bit, um, I suppose. And then uh, and and yeah, and then surrounding yourself with the right people.
1: He shares with us some of the goals that he's most excited about achieving in the near future.
0: Definitely about the build, building the firm and building the um, the capacity of the firm for the for the uh, funds management component, or I suppose the um, being able to raise more capital and deploy more capital, I suppose, and uh, and definitely building the team to, uh, uh, I suppose supplement that skill set into the team um, is definitely something that's exciting um, and then if I would go to the end of that five years definitely looking forward to having completed some major projects so that um, Atlassian Tower at Central is like a 70,000 square meter office tower which you know is part of that tech precinct it's been on, on a very long journey and so in five years that'll be complete and so it'll be good to be able to you know, stand here and, and look at that, and um, you know, see it as, as one of the most sustainable buildings in the world. I think that'll be pretty exciting. Yeah.
1: So, The last question I have for you is: how much of your success is due to your skill, intelligence, and hard work, and how much of it is because of luck?
0: Uh, I would say uh, luck. Um, lucky. Uh, the luck component of it is that that I you know born into a you know good family and and have a a good set of. Um, you know, morals and, and, and surroundings. So I'm, I'm definitely very grateful for that and I did nothing to deserve that part of it. Um, but, you know, since then, though, um, I definitely attribute it to a lot of, you know, maybe 80% of it to, to the hard work component. The luck component of it might be that um, the I think the redundancies that kind of forced you on, forced you to make a decision if, if they didn't happen or they kicked down the road, then who knows what, what might have happened. Um, might be in a different firm or might have might have just wanted, the golden handcuffs might have been put on or it would have been too hard to get away. And so being able to um, to, to get that nudge, I suppose, is, is definitely help. But um, it's taken a lot of hard work and it will continue to take a lot of hard work, that's for sure.
1: Thank you to James Paver, our guest on this episode of Property Investory. If you want to hear more about his journey and get a copy of the show notes on the website, head over to propertyinvestory.com forward slash notes. The show notes will give you the inside scoop on the little gold nuggets of wisdom all our guests share from their backstory and all their overall strategies and philosophies. Plus you'll get a copy of the advice broken down and shared in a quick and easy to consume format. Just head over to propertyinvestory.com forward slash notes and download it today. Thanks for listening.